Are you an architect, designer, contractor, or engineer? Modeler.com is a platform connecting architects and other specifiers with building product manufacturers. Modeler.com's engaged network of over 240,000 architects, designers, and construction professionals use Modeler.com's tools to discover, discuss, and specify products appropriate for building projects. We at KZSU Stanford thank Modeler.com for the generous underwriting of production and broadcasting costs for The Modern Architect. KZSU, Stanford University's FM radio station, broadcasting across the Bay Area on 90.1 FM and across the world at kzsu.org. From the campus of Stanford University, this is the Modern Architect radio show and podcast, hosted by architecture aficionado and principal of Accurate, Tom Diaro. Thank you, Darlene. For our guest today, please welcome Thomas Gospaugh, founder and principal architect of OR Design and Technology. The Brooklyn-based firm combines architecture with visionary interdisciplinary eco-design projects based on biomimetics, where biological systems serve as models for design and engineering and materials. Thomas has won too many awards to mention here, so we'll go right get right to our show. For more information, feel free to visit or-design.com. That's www-ore-design.com. Com. Hello, Thomas. We're honored and excited to have you on the Modern Architect Show. Oh, thank you for having me. Thank you for coming out. I've been looking forward to this, definitely. Thomas, I'd like to start with early inspiration, if you will. If you can recall as far back as you can, when you know, what you're doing now and when it may have started and how far back. You know, is there, Are there any galvanizing moments growing up that you, that you can recall to link to what it is that you're doing today? How much time do we have? Oh, we've got all, we've got the whole show. If you look back as a kid, you... There's just a lot of moments. Oh, is that right? Okay. Yeah, I would say recently I've been kind of looking back at my upbringing in urban agriculture, and that's really, I think, leads a lot to like what we're doing today okay. in terms of pairing biomimetics, like you said, built environment. I, I grew up... In Portland, Oregon, my mom is the founder of uh, Community Gardens there. So I grew up in the middle of gardens every summer, kind of wishing I was back at school. And oh, really? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, those, those are my summers was like, was like, you know, hoeing, hoeing onions. And, yeah. and oh, no, it, sweet. It was not at the time. Okay. And, and so I didn't realize like what I, what I had until I moved to New York and was completely cut off from the experience of putting my hands in the soil. And then we got a couple opportunities to do urban agricultural projects and I jumped at them. And then once I started just planting vegetables on our rooftop in Dumbo, Brooklyn, overlooking Manhattan. It was, you know, love again, like re refound. So I can trace that period back to being part of our design genome is really just kind of love of landscape time, watching things grow. It's, it's just something so therapeutic about it. Not only just the chlorophyllic green of, of the plants themselves and sunlight, but just, just the pace. It's really... It's great therapy. We're doing a therapy garden right now, actually, for a supportive housing project in the Bronx. And so when they asked if we wanted to do it, I was like, yes, absolutely, because I get it. I get that kind of yeah. you know, sense of if you need like a break or you need just a, a moment to kind of sit back and enjoy like you know, more of a rhythm of life, yeah, go in the garden. 
And that just doesn't happen very often in New York. So yeah. long, long, long story short, no. ur- urban ag at an early age, I think, was, has a lot to do. And I actually discovered that midway through my early career, let's say. When you say discovered, so it was kind of not part of you? You were looking to, in a way? I distanced myself from it, I think. You know, On purpose, I, you think? Maybe not, okay. but I didn't appreciate it when I was younger. Okay. I didn't appreciate the the, the rate of, of gardening. You know, I was you know, I was like five, six years old, and I was expecting plants to shoot out of the ground and start producing <laughs> strawberries, and yeah. you know that wasn't a thing that was going to happen. So, but yeah, no, now it's now it's great. I love going back to that, and I think that a lot of civic areas like New York are really tuned into urban agriculture as well. So it just totally works out with with how our career is going in terms of. Thinking food systems inside of the urban environment. I know this wasn't your question, but... I'm no, kinda, no, kinda please carry on. Yeah, this is great. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's really kind of placed us in a, in a fortunate area where we can put to practice... Now I'm going to get back to the beginning of your question. Put to practice kind of the clean technology systems in architecture. We're able to build them through urban farming because we're able to bring in food, water, and energy systems into architecture and have them built because because everyone's really into them right now in terms of in terms of figuring out how to get their food sources closer to them, how to you know, see more transparent distribution, farm to table, obviously. Those are, those are many of the projects we've been working on in, in New York. But then kind of in between the early standing in the garden moment and then discovering my, <laughs> rediscovering my love for, for gardening, you know, I was really into science. I, my, my background is in chemistry before I, I went to architecture and studied in Germany at the University of Stuttgart, postgrad fellowship, which really kind of focused on a... Um, an institute that was, well, quite a few. There's 11 institutes at the University of Stuttgart. There's 11 different colleges of architecture, 2,000 architecture students. Yeah. So it's, one... it's, a, it's a whole university of architecture. It's amazing, which is why I went. So I was, oh. able, to, I was able to kind of choose and pick and, and, and kind of find my voice there as an as a academic architect. And I found myself really gravitating towards LEK. That's uh, Institute for Leichtbau in Würfen Konstruieren. It's um, light structures. So th- they really look at biomimetics, and, and it's the Fry Auto Institute. He did the Olympic Stadium in Munich, which is a oh, beautiful system. Yeah. That's timeless. It is, huh? You can yeah. look at 200 years from now, and it'll still exactly. be there. Exactly. Like, I, I used to go to like soccer games there, and I'd just look up at it. I'm like, this could have been built yesterday, and it's still super cool. But yeah, so, so that, that is you know, catenary arches and, and really light structures. He looked at bubble formation to figure out how to, how to make such a, a strong structure. So they, they, that institute really kind of, lit my fire, let's say, for, for biomimetics. And afterwards, I came back and started my first international competition, which was algae as a facade in 2002, 2003. How'd you do that? Won the competition. It was great. See? We Off to the races. One more awards <laughs> than we can mention. I, you know, touch back on what we, uh, you said earlier. I like this. Your hands in the soil. Mm-hmm. As much as you, you've got the science background and uh, the architecture, describe a bit what the, the hands in the soil means to you. Yeah, so it's almost the same feeling as like sunshine on your skin, in a way. You know, it's just when you're planting something, it's it, the word dirty doesn't apply, right? Dirty yeah, has a different sure. connotation. Yeah. And you could say your hands in the dirt, and it still wouldn't apply. It's just, it, it's, I don't know, something nutritional even that, that you get from it. I think it's, it's something that's in our, you know, our, our collective history or our consciousness as, as a species. You know, we definitely have a large period of agriculture yeah. <laughs> in our society. So yeah. to get back to that is great. It's just the same as, you know, going to a farm and just even like the manure smells are somehow kind of therapeutic, you know? They, out of context, they would sure. be like, oh, what's that? But in yeah. the farm, it's just like, oh, there's like nostalgia for it. 
It was funny. I was at, we were talking about Square Roots earlier. That's a mm-hmm. project I'm sure we'll talk about later. But that's, you know, the future of farming. It's hydroponics. That's a system, obviously, that was designed by NASA in the 70s. It's a project we did in Brooklyn with a group. Should I talk about the whole Sure, project? please. Okay, so it's a project in, in Brooklyn that we did two years ago, I think was a launch. Basically, it's, it's, it's the proof of concept model for, for this company, which wants to take and did take shipping containers 40-foot shipping containers, filled them with hydroponics to, one, grow food inside of the city, two, educate young farmers you know, in the city, which you know, may not have opportunity like I did to plant a garden on a rooftop or yeah. something. So it gives them, gives them access to food, even if they're you know, from the city, never been into a farm. It gives them a chance to understand like, growing systems, which I, I thought was amazing. I thought it was really good. Uh, we can talk about the, the yeah. three later. Yeah, or we can talk no, about that. go now. Right, this is so, great. You got the audience. Yeah. Going. So, <laughs> so you know, the ultimate goal is obviously because of the Musk yes. connection is that is a is a food system that's being designed. I think ultimately to go to Mars. So it's it's fun to be part of that, and we're we're still engaged. We helped them with the proof of concept, and now they've got an innovation team which is working on improving and improving and improving, and we're looking at helping them scale up. Yeah. How 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 long has that been? And your liberty to share. The uh, process of when it began to where it is today. Oh, I mean, or, we launched the project in three months. We we got a, we got a phone call from them. Months. Yeah, we got a phone call from oh, them. We had a meeting, and three uh, we we got pretty lucky. Obviously, especially with permitting, we went straight to the, the building commissioner uh, in Brooklyn, and we and I, from what past, was it their response? They loved it. In fact, they they didn't see any any images from the proposal deck. They just saw their architectural drawings. But the the building commissioner, after we had our meeting, he was just like, I love this. I want to support it. After we had the meeting, close the door. We were walking down the hallway to the elevator. Door flies open. The building commissioner comes running down. So I'm like, this is such a cool <laughs> running thing. Running down. Yeah, running down okay. the hallway, just like still saying, like, this is such a cool thing. This should go on Mars. And we're just like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> he got it. Oh, yeah. He got it right away. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So. What's it feel like to, to work on something like that? Did you ever foresee any of this occurring in your, uh, in your professional life? Again, no. <laughs> okay. I mean, I it's hard to say at what point I realized that this was this was the direction we were going. You know, I was just saying earlier how when I moved to New York, it was to launch my career in architecture, architecture, do buildings. And at the same time, I was working my day job doing buildings. At night, I was working on clean technology competitions. That really was the other side of the coin for me. It really completed, kind of made me feel like I was whole as a designer to do that. And it helped me kind of still expand my voice as a designer. So we were doing, or I was doing uh, competitions for new LED solutions, organic sandstone roads. Were um, you seeking out these pro- uh, programs or they yeah. were coming to you both? Well, I was having ideas just on my commute or from articles I was reading. I was having, no way. I was having, ideas yeah. on your commute. Yeah, you know, that's why I like New York. It's like you're in the subway and you're just, you know, it's, it's like deep meditation, honestly. <laughs> it, it, what a way to look at that. Yeah, yeah, no, everyone is in the morning in New York, everyone is super civil. It's amazing. There's because so, everyone has to do the same, go to the same places, do the same yeah. thing, go through the same. So everyone's kind of just quiet and you're in your own space and it's really like deep meditation. My wife keeps trying to get me to meditate. And I'm like, I'm already doing it. <laughs> do you, really- <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, so I, I, you know, I just be, had a notebook and we'd be writing down ideas and then I would, look for competitions that would roughly fit the bill. You know, something like energy revolution competition, an idea competition, a sustainable competition. And it didn't have to be just architecture. And that's what I was looking for because I was doing the buildings during the day. And I was learning about the building process during the day. And it was great because it really informed what I was working on at night. 
but it kind of made me tired because I was working oh, around the clock oh. and kind of working with both sides of the brain. So to answer your question again, in the long form I've been doing, the moment where I was like, oh, this is, what I, this is my identity, this is what I'm going to be doing, it didn't even happen when I launched my company Or. I launched my company Or because I wanted independence and I had the opportunity, so I went for it. But still, I wasn't getting any clean tech jobs to pay my bills. I wasn't getting, meaning I wasn't getting research projects that okay. paid my bills. I could have possibly, you know, had I A, been smarter <laughs> in terms of finding, you know, funding or, or B, spent more time looking at grants or writing proposals. But I chose instead to continue kind of the model before of doing almost a day job, which was doing architectural projects for clients and still continuing research. At one point, the architectural client, the architectural jobs eclipsed everything, I, which was a good problem to have okay. in a way, but also made me feel like I was getting away from my purpose, which was, this was maybe two, three years into, into OR, where I was doing interesting yeah. architectural projects, and I liked them a lot, but I wasn't doing any clean tech. I wasn't doing any biomimicry. I wasn't doing any, anything that you know, I was doing at night before. And I didn't have the time anymore because I was an entrepreneur, so I was doing my taxes at night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So That's a tremendous amount of introspection that you're going through. <laughs> Really? You're, you're bringing it out of me. <laughs> oh, well, but no, really, it really is. I mean, you got to find out who you are, who you're not, who you want to be, and yeah. who you don't want to be yeah. all on the subway. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, a lot of... So I, I have some clients who are really adept at business, and they always... In the past, they would ask me questions like, oh, how can you scale? How can, how can your business be improved? And then, definitely, I think I, I was the bottleneck in terms of, the, you know, there's, there's a voice, there's an identity, there's a brand to the to the company. I'm not ready to scale up yet, but you really felt that I did. I okay. did. Honestly, I just, you know, and I tried at one point, you know, I went from three people to 12 people within a year and it really didn't work. I was experimenting to see if I could handle more and if I could free up my time to, to drive it back towards the research I was interested in food, yeah. water, energy in conjunction with architecture, but definitely those sides were underrepresented at the time. But yeah, that was a failed experiment. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Live and learn. I mean, I just yeah. ended up being a manager and I had to find more projects to continue, you know, to be able to pay people. And so my, my life got just more busy. Yeah. And, so how did you scale it down? I guess if you want. Uh, no, organically, yeah. you know, wasn't like a, a, a real, you know, 180 degree pivot. It was, it was just like, I could, I understood all of a sudden I was not happy with what I was doing. I felt like I was on a treadmill trying to find projects just to bring in for project's sake versus... Was it just to be, to be able to pay bills? and Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. My overhead was, was, was pretty high. But then, you know, we scaled down when I were five people and the lessons learned from that, that experience, like we're able to do, I would say, the work that we were doing with 10 people, with five now, because we'd, we'd kind of gone through the... We'd gone, we rode the wave and yeah. we got more efficient because of it. And I'm ready to scale up again. Yeah, I'm ready. Not 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 super quickly, but I'm ready to scale up pretty quick. You know, eventually. Excellent. You're listening to the Modern Architect, KZSU, Stanford, ninety point one FM. The Natural Resources Defense Council is an environmental action group that combines the grassroots power of more than two million members and online activists with the courtroom expertise of nearly five hundred lawyers, scientists, and other professionals. The NRDC staff works with businesses, town leaders, and community groups on issues such as global warming, clean energy, safe water, and endangered wildlife. To become a member or donate, visit nrdc.org. 
We're talking today with Thomas Cosbaugh, founder and principal architect of Or Design and Technology. For more information, you can visit or-design.com. That's O-R-E-Design.com. Thomas, touch again on the Square Roots project, if you will. You sure. Know? Yeah. I mean, where you are today, if you're... You're willing oh, to share yeah, with us. Yeah. yeah. So, like I said, they have an internal team of engineers. They've really grown, and it's pretty amazing what they're doing. They're working with hardware and software. One of the co-founders, Tobias Peggs, he's uh, got a PhD in AI. So they're making these learning machines inside of the the boxes. So the farms are learning pretty, machines. Yeah. Within. Yeah. So the so the farms are 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 you know crunching its own data and and learning. So they're really optimizing these these things. It's great. And you know their goal is to to you know, be all over the U.S. and the world. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, and that's, that's the high-level version. The universe. You know? exactly. Yeah. Now, the urban farming projects that you do for Grow NYC, share mm-hmm. with us, you know, who's yeah. involved and how, how well, that works. Yeah. yeah. So Marcel Van Oyen, who introduced us. Yes. Brother-in-law Marcel. Yeah. <laughs> he's um, He's been a great client of ours, like from day one. There, there's kind of a funny story. So <clears throat> I got, when I was leaving Portland, Oregon, moving to New York, I got off a red-eye. And I was exhausted because I just finished my thesis. In fact, I left my thesis on the wall. I think I left. I think I left my chair spinning as I ran out the door to <laughs> to the airplane to go to New York. Uh, it's not, you know, I love, I love, I love Portland. I love my home home city. But I was ready to like face new challenges in New York. I was really ready to 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 be done with school and to launch my career. So, flew to New York, red eye, and so through my mom's connections with urban agriculture again. She had a friend who runs and still runs the uh, open space greening program at Grand YC, who just coincidentally happened to be having his annual farm tour that day, uh, his garden tour, community garden tour. His name's Gerard Lordahl. And he picked me up, not from the airport. I met him somewhere. Trying to, it was a while ago. I met him and he pulled up in a van and he was just like, hey, you want to go on this tour? And I was like, sure, great. And it was with kind of their, their VIP donor. He's a great guy. And as try as I might, I couldn't keep my eyes open. So that whole whole tour is like staccato <laughs> images of just like me opening up my eyes and seeing just like my lids go down and opening up and I was in another <sighs> garden and I just like was kept nodding off. But so so basically it's like a fast forward stop yeah. action like garden tour. We got to the we pulled up, you know, I didn't know we pulled up, but he woke me up. <laughs> you were really that I was so it. tired. Yeah. It was like two weeks of no sleep. But I I, I woke up at the final stop, which was basically a sand lot. It was a community garden in, or yeah, it was an existing community garden in Lower East Side on Fifth Street between uh, Avenue B's and B and C. And it was, it was a sand lot. It was just, and, and the, 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 the gardeners were all in Section 8 housing. So public assistance housing surrounded this garden. But on the other side, of, of this fence was this flourishing Japanese landscape garden, just beautiful manicured, it had a tea house in it. And yeah. And, 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 uh, you know, I was like, what's up with that? And, <laughs> and the, uh, you know, my, my host was like, well, actually, have you ever seen the, the film batteries not included by Steven Spielberg? I was like, sure. Like, well, they filmed it here and the money that, you know, was going to this project, you know, ended up going to that garden. And and so this group is really interested in in you know having a garden too. Would you you know basically since I was staying for staying mm-hmm. with him for a week to interview, he was like, "Hey, you want to sing for your supper? Would you come up with some concept sketches?" <laughs> and like uh, sing and, for your supper, yeah. And I was just yeah. like, "Yeah, sure. That well, why not?" Yeah. So I, I created some some drawings while I was there, kind of quickly of like 
a garden that I had in mind. It was a community space with like a little stage to to perform and and you know hardscape and softscape and children's gardens areas. Maximized it, gave him the images, and he took him to Disney and he got fully funded. And then once he was fully funded, he turned around and he was like, "Do you want to do this as an actual project?" And that's how I got started with Grown YC. It was a a great little. You know, he's a amazing, huh? <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. I, I've, I've read a bit on your your background. You, you're mistaken as a, a, just a landscape architect, <laughs> quite often. Yeah, is that what? Why is that? Why is that? I mean, I I, think there's the, obvious reasons, but yeah. Well, my website having a landing image of a garden didn't do me any favors. <laughs> you're uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, yeah. I took that page down. <laughs> okay. But it was one I was really proud of. It was it was the next project we did with with uh, Grown YC, and that was River Park Farm. That was for the Tom Colicchio Restaurant River Park in Manhattan. It was during the uh, economic downturn. We we had just opened our doors in 2010 as OR, and I got a call from Grown YC. You know this this project I did with them five years before that when I was just you know doing it on the side. Really, you know. Paid, paid back its dividends. And they were like, hey, you know, we've been thinking about you ever since you did that project. Do you want to do this farm? And I was like, absolutely. Yeah. It's perfect timing. I just, I literally just opened my doors. You know? So, <laughs> really? So yeah. what, do you recall, was it that like within a month, a week? Or? Oh, it was two days after. Two I literally, days. Dude, I literally moved amazing. into an office and turned on the lights. And two days later, <laughs> you got that. That's yeah. Cool. I also got another project that day too. It was also, it was two large projects and I didn't have any employees at that time. So I had to hire some people like that day. (laughs) Yeah, it was great. (laughs) Yeah, that is rapid. The food, the water, the energy. Mm -hmm. Is that, that's where you stay? Or, you know, you can do other, let's say if you needed to build a new Central Park, could you do that? I might be reaching if I am, let me know. No, no, I'm saying if if there was a city that said we need to, we want to either replicate a Central Park or do one within your own mind's eye vision would you be able to do that so yes that's short, a bad, yeah, short that's answer, bad that. answer yeah. huh? <laughs> yes that's incredible and that's because we were i don't know i don't know if the word scrappy is quite accurate but you know when we when we when we launched yeah, it sounds like you had to have a, um we did a lot of different projects a lot of grit yeah we did a lot of different projects we didn't okay. we didn't say no for the first five years that i was uh, oh, really? know, on purpose? starting out yeah on okay. purpose you know because some some projects were I mean, they're all challenging their own way. Some projects, you know, if I would have looked at it now, I'd be like, no, nah, my instincts say no. But I, I still felt the same instincts, but I was like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try this out. I'm going to take the challenge, and if we fail, we fail. But, you know, and, and I think most of our projects turned out great. I would say all of them, but, you know, there were... There were yeah, what were some of the challenges? Parts. I mean, it's <clears throat> a good question. I, continually... Keeping a sense of who you are as a designer is always a challenge, especially when you're trying something new for the first time. So we just finished an affordable housing project, and that that's still the same mindset. Of we didn't want to say no it's because we're interested in doing that. It's the first of our kind. So if somebody told us, like, came again, like with square roots, never thought we were going to do that, and they came up and you're like, do you want to do it? And we're like, yeah, absolutely. So the second call on that second day I opened the doors was for a shipping container project. It's called the Decal Market. Both Decal Market and River Park Farm were stalled building sites, one in Manhattan, one in, in Brooklyn. Decal Market, it's downtown Brooklyn. And for the same reasons, they needed to activate these sites. And the client came to us saying, like, we want to do shipping containers, can you do it? And I was like, oh, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we can learn. 
And so we did. And, and that one, in six weeks, we built out 84 shipping containers, made 100 stores, 20 restaurants, community kitchen, urban agriculture. There was a community farm there. We didn't design it, but it was part of the, the master plan for that project. And it, was, it, it came and it was an instant community. It was an instant community in the heart of Brooklyn, which was an empty lot. Which, What's uh, interesting, you say yeah. it's an instant community, yet it seems like it, it's sustainable. Like you, you can 20, 30, 40 years from now, it may be better than it is today. Well, it's gone. <laughs> I was wrong. No, I'm correct. No, 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 no. It's, it's the only reason yeah, it's gone. Why, why not? So, you know, you're right though, in terms of like the concept spread like wildfire. So there are projects like this all over, all over. I mean, and, and we weren't the first one to think of like using shipping containers for, for anything, but it it's a scalable idea. So you're right. It's completely sustainable. The concept in this case, I think was very unique for the for the time, in terms of this like instant kind of almost grassroots community. No pun intended. At, at nothing exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's uh, you know, I, projects like this and <laughs> phone calls almost like twice a week for doing something similar continue. So yes, the spirit is sustainable. The actual physical project, because the economy restarted, it had to move. And so a lot of the containers went to another market and are kind of sped around. Sped around. So they, they live on too, but it, it could have stayed forever. It was beloved. It could have stayed in that spot. Really? Like it okay. was, yeah. And it was, actually it was just picking up steam right as the, the site reactivated. So it was. So the vision I had was it. not too inaccurate. No, no, yeah. it's totally accurate. No, I was, yeah. I'm just being dis, yeah. dissenter over love here. It. I love it though. <laughs> you know, you say you've got to stay in tune with who you are. Can you describe a bit of that? You know, and at least you're. Your interpretation of, 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 of being that, staying in tune with who you are and not going outside of who you're not. Hmm. How do you even get there? I don't know. Either, yeah, that's, but... a, that's a tough question. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was supposed to throw you a beach ball. But no, I think this is a gotcha. No, but, but just, well, you, no, darn it. I was trying not to. Yeah. Um, no, but just stay with who you are, you know, you, you, with your work. You're, well, something on, actually I, on your uh, website that you said that you're able to accept projects that fit within your brand, so to speak. Now we are. I think, I think that's yeah. what I'm getting to. Yeah. So now we have that luxury. And that, that is part of a question you had earlier, which is when did we know like who we were? And yeah, it's been little by little, just kind of gravity has pulled both sides that we were talking about, the architecture and the clean tech together. So with, you know, further projects with Grown IC, again, they've been great for us. The farmhouse that we did for them, which is Project Farmhouse, it's a uh, venue, brick and mortar, the first brick and mortar venue right next to Union Square. It's right next to the largest market. It's a revenue driver for them, so they can host events, they can fiscally sponsor other other groups, but really it's an education space and food space. And so we were able to put our architectural design in play, and then the centerpiece is this vertical hydroponic wall. Um, there's a lot of sustainable aspects to it. I, yeah, I no, go into that. I love that. Well, yeah. I mean, it was a very sustainable project. Minimal materials, everything is super high recycled content. Those are Those are easy things to do these days, like honestly, but... You know, so we we would consider that a baseline. It's something where, you know, for instance, what what gives Project Farmhouse its sense of space are these baffles which are hanging from the ceiling. That was a response to the hotel, the Innocent Hyatt Hotel. The, the entire infrastructure of the Hyatt Hotel runs through the ceiling of the space. We can't, we couldn't close the ceiling off because of that. So we had to keep it soft and, and pliable. So we instead, it was a really high space. It's like forty feet. And very narrow, so it's echoey. So we use these sound baffles. Those are made from 100% water bottles, recycled water bottles. You wouldn't know it though; they look like felt, industrial felt. Mm. 
but that gives, you know, that gives the identity of the space and, and like, you know, one simple, simple move. So I wouldn't say that's our high tech in architecture together, but I would say that the growing wall and then the complete package of, of kind of interior design in this case really is emblematic of, of where we want to be. And, and we, we felt that that was kind of the sweet spot of our skill set. And that led directly to us working with grown with the square roots. Okay. Yeah. Like the, uh, the, the revenue driver and educational space. Do you, you, can you mix both of them or no, do they have to stand alone? You know, one is a revenue driver and one is an education space, but can they both, can you be both? Yeah. I mean, with, with nonprofits, I think that's, if, if they're bylaws to be an educational space, they have to create revenue or find revenue for their operation. I mean, monetizing sustainability is the name of the game. And I'm, I'm spending quite a bit of my time now consulting with developers you know, first it was, okay, well, how can we make money off of urban farms? And it's like, well, if you're trying to sell crops, you can't. But that's not the only reason to do it, obviously. I mean, there's there's baseline paybacks of how the building can perform better with the urban farm tied into its systems. But it's more about the experience. Like I said earlier, just like putting your hands in the soil, even if it's hydroponic, it's 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 an experience that you can market. And many urban farms in New York, their prime revenue stream is from that experience. Awesome. Yeah. This is The Modern Architect on KZSU, Stanford, 90.1 FM. Imagine if you couldn't hear us right now or enjoy KZSU's music or public affairs programs. Disabling hearing loss affects 48 million Americans and more than 360 million people worldwide. Yet many do not have access to hearing devices. Starkey Hearing Foundation brings understanding among people through hearing care. The foundation gives away more than 175,000 hearing aids every year. To meet its goals, it needs generous donations from people like you. If you're interested in learning more, visit starkeyhearingfoundation.org. We're talking today with Thomas Coswell, founder and principal architect of OR, Design and Technology. For more information, feel free to visit or-design.com. That's O-R-E-Design.com. Thomas, the space between buildings, I don't, I've been hearing quite a bit about that recently. What does that mean to you, space between buildings? Mm. That sounds like something I heard in grad school. <laughs> okay, then we'll go up, move ahead. Forget <laughs> no, that question. It's okay. It's fine. Yeah. No, it is fine. Ooh, but I don't know what you mean. <laughs> okay, space between buildings. So if you have your buildings and often there's just nothing. There could be either nothing mm-hmm. or just vacant land. Mm-hmm. Is that space between it, at least in my opinion, could be just as valuable as the building, even though the building houses people. But that space is something that, at least in my opinion, are what people can reconnect to at least connect to the earth, connect to the land, because it is, it's not just building, 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 or, or building lot, blank lot, mm-hmm. building blank lot. And, you know, with, with what it is that you're doing, I don't know if you can fill every single space in there, but is there, you know, what is that like? If you just segue into, you know, how the, the rooftop gardens, and it's so unexpected to think, oh yeah, there's so much space that you could do. Yeah. I mean, do something. With. I mean, it, it obviously depends on, the exact location you're talking about to be able to kind of peel away the layers of possibility like or opportunity, peel away the you know, layers. because there are, and, yeah. and then, so our, okay. So if, if we're going to, if we're going to suppose that we're looking at a, a site space in between a building, um, depends obviously on what the, the client wants and what the client goals are. We really are 
kind of gravitating towards integrated design or whole building. Integrated design. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's within also, it. Yeah. It's also called a okay. whole building design. So, okay. so yeah, that space is inside or, or on top or, you know, spread through the skin of the space. It doesn't need a yard to act separately uh-huh. as, as a yard or to be an experience of a yard. I mean, especially in urban spaces that, you know, want densification you want more people, it's more sustainable to have more people in, in smaller spaces, have smaller shared carbon footprint. I'm a big believer in it. You know, so we, so, so that doesn't really answer your question directly about that space in between No, but buildings, you're getting but, around to a very yeah. important with the integrated. Yeah, I mean, okay. imagine that Imagine that space in between buildings and being um, part of the building skin. So you, you have a double skin enclosure. And instead of, instead of looking at a window, at that space and kind of dreaming, hoping you were out there, that is your space. What if that's your office space? It's, it's, it's taking advantage of a tangible feeling of wellness, but also an intangible feeling of just, you know, uh, being kind of a little closer to, to, to nature, having, you know, oxygenated air because you've got, you know, plants in, in the space, you've got water. It's, 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 again, it's going back to my, you know, power food and, <laughs> yeah. And, and water uh, kind of underlying interest. Seeing that being integrated into a building from day one, like being able to, to have clients, and that's, that's what we're doing right now with our clients. We're, from day one. From so day it's one. actually built into the design before you even get going. Yeah, that's, that's the beauty of whole building design. Of, and we didn't invent whole building design, but we're, we were looking for something that described what we wanted to do and we came across it. And it's, it's taking a little extra time at the conceptual level where, you know, honestly, costs are cheap. You haven't broken ground. You, you don't have the starting gun hasn't gone off in terms of permitting, and you don't have a lot of people burning hours designing. It's really just highly uh, a conceptual design goal and ideation around around design goals, and and then bringing the whole team and bringing the the MEP, the mechanical, electrical, plumbing engineer, bringing the structural engineer, and bringing in um, the clients, being like, you know, how does this affect your brand? You know, how, how can the money you spend on this building, how can that reinforce, how can that, you know, put your money where your mouth is in terms of who you guys want to be? And we've been doing that with a lot of different clients lately. And it, it's a slower process. It's kind of a longer windup. People aren't used to it. Um, yeah, I was going to say, yeah. was, is it new in their mind? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And w- how we do it, I mean, just practically speaking, is we, we break out our proposal so that there is a separate conceptual study. And we recommend it because we're just like, look... This conceptual study is 2% of the overall design budget, say 1%. It's small, so low risk. But we're going to end up somewhere at the other end of this conceptual study than we had planned on. And it's going to be much more in tune with your goals, not only performative goals, but, but design goals, but also brand goals, story goals, everything. It, it, it's the integrated design solution where then we can, we can actually create a much more accurate timeline yeah. for, your, for your, your design from here on out because everything's kind of already roadmapped what's their response been when you go if you can if you can share with us from what is this to mm. oh my mm. i had never envisioned this yeah so can you share a story sure. of, of well, that experience i won't say you names. don't have to say names yeah i won't yeah. say names but we've had some very positive responses it sounds i mean even even as i say it you know it sounds very idealistic that oh this is a, a solution which will save you money and make a better project and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, from the get-go. But honestly, it is because it's just increased planning. It's just more, more thought. So it's it's, it's increased, increased planning. Okay. It's just an increased phase of planning. But we have clients that have turned away because of it. I think because it's not... You have. We have. We, okay. we, and it, we've been disappointed. You know, there have been some opportunities that we really wanted to do. And we told them, like, look, you know, I think it's honestly just making an extra step, not giving them the full proposal. 
like, okay, we'll do your building for X amount of cost, X amount of dollars. But we've said, okay, well, let's engage in something which is basically going to be a study to figure out what your building is going to be. And then we can do a proposal. And I think that doesn't fit everybody's palette. Yeah. You know? How do you quantify the value of that? That's very hard. So what we're working on with a couple of those clients is not only are we, we creating design goals for the building in the beginning, we're creating uh, testing goals so we can have metrics. So at the end of the day, we can create a white paper. Not you really only, can? Yeah. Okay. So, so we, can, we, we can create a white paper on the design process, but then we can create a separate one on, okay, this is what we were assuming would happen, and this is what actually happened. And that to us is really exciting because establishing metrics that could be open sourced and used for you know, other developers, other municipalities to build from, that's the only way you're going to convince those those type that you know kind of roll their eyes like, oh, how much does it really cost, or what is my real payback? What's the ROI? Yeah. You know, how do I monetize this this extra thought? <laughs> that would be the one one of the first in the industry to do that. I don't know of too many people that have done it to that level. I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, I've no, looked, I, I really yeah. have. I, we we speak to enough of them. Yeah, that, that, that that's one of the biggest challenges they have yeah. is to quantify that value. And exactly. It sounds like look, you guys are coming in with a um, yeah. How about AI or artificial intelligence? Do you utilize any of any of that in any of your projects? <sighs> Beyond my or pay do grade, <laughs> <laughs> or do you foresee it even? You know? Yeah, I mean, we, I mean, we're obviously using it unconsciously now on a day-to-day <laughs> basis. No, I mean, we are. Life, Greg. Yeah, every everybody's yeah. using AI more than we 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 know. It's helping okay. us like to find my way here. Like yeah. AI, but yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> and you, you also you talked know. about build your, the building skin, and uh, yeah. I know I share with you several times now before the show as well is that I noticed the theme of your buildings, at least to me, is that they breathe. And and I never thought of a building as breathing, but but they did. And I, when I looked at each one of them, I saw it. I go, they really are. It's like you could just, even though it's on the web page, but it's still you can. They seem like there's a, there's a pulse. I told you earlier that was uh, an amazing thing to hear. I've never heard that before. And yeah. uh, but I've never I, thought of that before. Yeah, but it <laughs> so, it, it, it I yeah. mean, when you said it, I was like, hmm, like that's a huge compliment because yeah. I think that really fits. Like, yeah, how so? And you, at least in, I know it's new just today to yeah. discuss it. But how and your and your interpretation, at least right now, how um, would uh, how would it be kind of relevant? I mean, directly direct relevance would be the projects that you know capitalize on air movement that's a literal translation so like our hydrogen which is a atmospheric water generator which needs it creates its own wind basically using a greenhouse creates its own wind to uh harvest water from air it needs it needs a a higher refresh rate of air so that's why it creates its own wind so it can create more or so it can have access to more water so that definitely breathes but like i was saying you just mentioned earlier again the the skin of the building like Mm -hmm. a double skin for us when we're designing something like that we're designing an indoor garden or designing a space that we feel, you know, I would say is like true luxury, you know, that has that intangible, again, of being able to walk into a space and all of a sudden the air is better, you know, it, and that, that to me is apropos to the, to the breathe comment, you know, there's, there's, you know, a, a richness or a thermal comfort in, in designing and integrating clean tech systems into, into architecture that pay the dividends through experience, again, not directly in terms of monetization mm-hmm. of experience, but just in terms of enjoying your place, enjoying your building. And I would say that's breathing, you know, <laughs> you know, and of course, you know, there's a lot of passive techniques you can use with the air movement. So you don't have to be 100% dependent on mechanical systems, which is great because those break down and they, you know, sure, they yeah. have lots of coolants in them and they uh, 
they cost a lot of money with energy and capex costs. Yeah. So yeah. It's uh, if you can minimize those, that's that's definitely something. If we were sitting down in one of those integrated design meetings, that's what we would we would start yeah. penciling out. Like, okay, do you guys want to have lower operating costs, and then yeah, let's yeah. let's figure out how to do that with the design of the skin of the building. Yeah, it sounds as if you're you're designing again from the inside, the, the human outward. Not just outside and the aesthetics and the functions and the sustainability, but a lot of what you're just saying sounds like it's very human related. Like, what are the people going to experience before they you even do, mm. uh, you know, perform what you do? Yeah. I'm, do you? I mean, if yeah, you think no, about it, no, you, no, I mean, you're really thinking of the people who are going to be in that space. Yeah. I mean, again, you're, that, you're, you're bringing up a really poignant kind of piece of our design process. It's... You know, I think a lot of designers obviously do this. Think about the experience. I think you have to not as an all. architect. I think you should. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> obviously. But, um, you know, it's not just a statement piece. It's not a building from the outside, you know. But I think you have to think of it from the outside and the inside, from the experience, from... I really like industrial design, product design, because that's a real issue of scale. Zoom out, do, like you said, Central Park. Do do a very large-scale project. But then zoom in at just like the the interface that the human has with that project, just like the material touching touching the the, the stone of, of a bench or being able to have a moment. Uh, re, I, I don't think we mentioned it yet in this podcast, but we just finished a project, which is again our first kind of step into affordable housing in Manhattan. It was a existing building we renovated, did a renovation of the whole building, but the kind of you know, literal crowning achievement was putting a forest of 80 aspen trees on the roof as the building amenity. Yeah. 40? 80. 80. 80 aspen yeah, trees going oh, up on the roof. And we, we, we designed it with, with just the experience involved. So yes, of course, like, well, okay, let me back up. The, the client was like, well, I need, I need something that identifies this building as unique from far away, let's say from across the river in, in Brooklyn. I want something that's medium range. And I want something up close. And, the forest was kind of the far away move because we we're just like people are going to see that from all over, and you know we can illuminate it at night, and that's better than putting a sign up or sure, yeah. flashing lights or whatever. It's just you know it's it is a point of interest, and it will become a landmark because it's right on the water. But then, so that's from the outside, right? That's the the really fifty thousand foot level. Then we uh, we really thought about it as a qualitative thing, and we were basically carved tenant space, tenant like community gathering space into the forest floor. So that your seating area is framed by trees and you're looking out over Brooklyn through these trees. And we thought that was like the romance and that was like the magic. So like those two, those two levels of design, I think at, at a minimum are, are important. Yeah. So how do you, you see that in your mind's eye before you do that? I, I mean, do you have, what processes do you go through? If you have a formal mental process. It starts to, with problem solving. So that, I mean, and I'll say just like analytically what I mean with problem solving. So that building had a huge weight bearing capacity. I can imagine. It's port, poured in place concrete thing is built like a bunker. And the client was just like, well, we want to bring people up here. What can we do up here? It had this really high parapet wall blocking the views. So we're like, we're going to have to build up anyway to increase the live load for people to walk and also to get the views. We're basically creating a 40-inch planter, 40-inch deep planter. So we're just like, and, and we can carry a lot of weight as a building, so why don't we plant a forest up here? <laughs> it was like that. It was, it was honestly one of those like aha moments where yeah. just like, because we could, because we can, because it's not an extra cost. It's just, it's just the strength of the, the building itself. Let's do it. 
And that's when we started designing with it. So that was our that was our medium. And then we started thinking like, okay, well, how can we you know, use this medium to make it experientially rich? Yeah, how did you choose the aspen? It was tree. a lot of we we wanted closer to home uh, native trees, but there's a real issue. It's a real issue with boring beetles and pests with New York natives, unfortunately. So we we looked at other species. I mean, there's Himalayan aspen. These these are aspen from uh, from Oregon, actually, from my home state. So they were they were brought over on a train. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, that's terrific. Yeah, we 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 needed to, to use it because of the, the health of the the tree species, and also not to bring in a, um, a you know a invasive species into the into the city. So we went, <laughs> we went through Oregon aspen. That's sweet. Yeah. This is the modern architect, KZSU, ninety point one FM, Stanford. Now you can be part of your neighborhood's greatest resource. Check out Link Ages Time Bank, where you can give and receive help, share hobbies and interests, and learn new skills. Link Ages Time Bank is a community-based service exchange network supported by Palo Alto Medical Foundation, part of Sutter Health. Members earn hours by providing services and use those hours to receive services in return. For more information or to register for an orientation, visit linkages.org. We're talking today with Thomas Coswell. Founder and Principal, Architect of OR Design and Technology. For more information, feel free to visit OR-Design.com. That's OR-Design.com. Thomas, we're going to go back to the beginning here. Love Refound. How is it with each project? Is it almost a Love Refound? Hmm. For you. Hmm. Or is it like, okay, I know what to do with this one. Okay, this is, I'll use some of my experience in this one to move this ahead. Is, or is there a newness? Because what you're doing is, is uh, at least my opinion, is new every single time. You're, you're actually designing life. No, really. It is. It's not like just a building in which it breathes and all that stuff. But it's actually, you're putting life back into that building in addition to the building having life. That's, uh, that's a lot of a... Yeah, well, thank it's you. It's circuitous. I mean, <laughs> it's very circuitous. It is. It's a close cycle, for okay. sure. I mean, so the first part of that question, we have the guilty pleasure of guilty going pleasure. going after yeah, going after projects that we've never done before, which is great for, you know, working working the design muscles, not great for, you know, business model because, you know, there's there's inefficiencies every time you do something for the first time. However, having said that, with more of these projects in urban agriculture, with more of these projects in sustainability, with more building types that we're getting familiar with, as we go, there are just kind of built-in efficiencies because they overlap. And so that's allowing us to do more with less in in terms of you know the staff that we have, which is great. Like, so has that evolved over time? It or, has. Okay. Yeah, definitely. And, and continues to. And that's what's exciting. I think if it didn't, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. I think if it, if it was something where we were... You know, only doing one type of building or a few types of buildings, but only specializing in a, in a certain area. I don't know if I would want to be doing what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, no, it, it's, it's fun to, to take on these challenges. And when people, like you asked, like, can I do uh, a central, a central park, park Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah, no, what we've learned to date. Absolutely. You know, and we'd love to, we were working like there's three, again, I won't name names cause they're that contracts haven't been signed yet, but there's three, big projects that we are looking at which are campus size like millions of square feet campus size are they here in the states they're in the states okay you don't have to say where they are but yeah they're in they're in the states and they um they're 
going to be basically an assembly of a lot of the pieces that we put together in other projects, which we're really excited about. So it's going to be, you know, like talking about closed cycle, it's going to yes. be, you know, biodigesters on site producing power from food waste, ultimately eliminate food waste, which we want to, and, and divert that food waste into something else. We're going to be using algae, going back to the algae for, for biomass to, to fulfill that. And that, that algae is going to be used in buildings as a design element. So your power <laughs> sources, your power awesome. sources, your design element. So you're looking, <laughs> again, going with the chlorophyllic green, yeah. you're going to have sunlight going through these green tubes, which are basically your entry to the lobby and also your your design accent, your your workspace. But then we're also going to bring in, you know, urban agriculture into the skin. So you'll have a, a real freshness, real kind of tantalizing <laughs> oxygenated air that smells like crops in your in your community spaces. Yeah, it's really you know, so that that those are kind of baseline moves and then and then making efficient transportation on site and, and it goes on and on and on. But yeah, we're we're really excited about that. But that we have these uh, these opportunities, yeah. these, these campuses that are they're not just integrated buildings, they're integrated campuses, and that's yeah, that's for us next up. And that's yeah, we, that's what we're really excited about. Outstanding. Yeah. Do you have a favorite quote or a, a a quote of a mentor or thing or a mantra you have in your head once mm. in a while, just to kind of either center yourself when things get a little crazy or uh, uh, projects get go a little sideways for a while mm. that you you can kind of refer back to. Did, good, uh, good question. Um, a negative one springs to mind. <laughs> that, it's, if it's useful, if it's useful, yeah. I, I had a professor. I don't. We didn't. We didn't see eye to eye, which is fine. Like, it's <laughs> which to, is fine. totally fine. That's 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 what going to schools for is like being able to like not agree. Yeah, and being able to not agree in a project is also fine as long as you talk it out. Yeah. yeah. But this professor, it was the very first day of school. And we were supposed to first day, very first day of school. Oh, we were geez. we were supposed to put up put up projects that made us feel, uh, made us get out of bed in the morning. You know that was that was our that was our homework to to bring to the very first day. So so they I'm not even going to say a pronoun. So yeah. they so they could, um, <laughs> so, so they could um, look at our work and understand who we are as designers and and get to know our voice. And so I put up put up three projects that were. All kind of clean tech. One was organically grown sandstone roads. One was the water generator. One was algae, you know, and I was really proud of all those. And I'm like, that, this is what makes me unique as a designer other than, you know, the building work I've done. This is, this is like what's different about me, I feel, and gets me out of bed. And they, they looked at it and they were just like, oh, you're a problem solver. And I was like, <laughs> and no, and I was just like, that's, yeah, yeah that's awesome. Yeah. What a compliment. That's great. And they stopped and like, no, no, no. Here, we don't solve problems. We create problems, and my uh, my my chin went to my chest, and I was just like, and I wish I'd actually confronted them at that point. I would have I would have been more proud of myself, just being just like, look, there's enough problems in the world. There's, yeah. The world is rich with problems. You <laughs> know, like it's rich with problems. it is. Great you know, any any anywhere you look, you can find something that's interesting. That's begging for some thought. I wouldn't say that you know. Certainly, I I'm not, I can't solve everything, but just to think about it, it is, at the very least, take a stab at it is yeah. is interesting. So that's the ivory tower kind of designer that I don't want to be. Just like, look, I'm going to make a project interesting because it's interesting to me. Like, I'm, I'm not I'm not into that. And so I wouldn't say that goes through my mind all the time, but that's definitely like that's part of who we who we are. It's just like we like responding to challenges that present themselves yes not go looking for them yeah yeah excellent is there anything else you'd like to share with the with the our audience that we may not have 
touched on. Uh, mm. uh, you really, you really, that last saying, I, I, I could have ended it right there because I think I, I liked how you said you don't want, you did not want to be an ivory tower designer. That's what you not want right. to be. And it actually goes full circle to what you said is uh, put your hands in the soil. Yeah. You're not in that ivory tower. You're in the soil. You're yeah. right there at the level. Make it accessible. You got, I mean, that's the thing. It's just like, you're not going to be a, um, effective designer or mouthpiece for your voice if you can't make your work accessible. So that's, that's for us, like what we really try to do well. Excellent. Yeah. Well, you definitely are doing it. It's been, Thomas, it's been a real honor and a pleasure. Likewise, having you. Thank you for having thank me. You, thank you. Thank you for having, for, for coming out. Really enjoyed it. You've been listening to The Modern Architect. I'm Tom Dioro. Our guest today has been Thomas Cosbaugh, founder and principal architect of Or Design and Technology. The Brooklyn, New York-based firm combines architecture with visionary interdisciplinary eco-design projects based on biomimetics, where biological systems serve as models for design and engineering of materials. Thomas has won and continues to win countless awards since his firm's first inception for more information feel free to visit or-design.com that's or o-r-e-design.com join us again next time when we welcome another outstanding architect engineer influencer or civic leader committed to positive and sustainable cities communities and lives the modern architect is recorded at stanford university studios in palo alto california and on location throughout the state and is a production of kcc radio Today, the recording engineer is Darlene Franklin, Chief Engineer Mark Lawrence, and we're all assisted by Akshay Jaggi. And the executive producer and host of The Modern Architect is Tom Dioro. If you wish to contact us, our email address is interviews at kzsu.stanford.edu. Again, that's interviews at kzsu.stanford.edu.
Are you an architect, designer, contractor, or engineer? Modeler.com is a platform connecting architects and other specifiers with building product manufacturers. Modeler.com's engaged network of over 240,000 architects, designers, and construction professionals use Modeler.com's tools to discover, discuss, and specify products appropriate for building projects. We at KZSU Stanford thank Modeler.com for the generous underwriting of production and broadcasting costs for The Modern Architect.